Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Resting Place, South Tampa Campus. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear, and we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. If you haven't been here before, we're really radical, and we're, we're just free. We're a bunch of people that were lost, that got found, and we need to express our love to God. And it looks very different. We're not trying to replicate anybody, duplicate anything. We want for you to discover who you are in the kingdom of heaven. I believe in a kingdom, there's all types of people. There's a king, there's the queen, there's the prince, the princess. They are the loyal servants. They are the servers. There's the bakers and the cooks and there's the farmers. And there's all sorts of people in the kingdom. There really is. And in the kingdom of heaven, it's a little bit different because the kingdom of heaven is a kingdom that only kings and queens live in. Wait until you get to heaven. You might think I'm a little bit crazy. It's okay. Your opinion doesn't matter. Um, because I know what I've seen. I've experienced heaven. I've experienced the glory of God in a way that it's hard to explain sometimes. And it's a kingdom of kings. And that's why God is called the king of kings. A lot of people try to interpret the word as in, oh, he's the king of the kings of the world, right? Like the king of Russia and the king of, which they don't even have kings now, but or Africa, but that's not what it's referring to. When you enter heaven and you go into spirit realm, you'll see that everybody has a crown. And you'll see that only royalty li live in this kingdom. Even the farmers in the kingdom of heaven, they're not even called farmers, they're called harvesters. Even the harvesters and the laborers wear their crowns. Dude, the, the worshipers wear a crown. The whole symphony in heaven has a crown because there's a kingdom of kings. That's why he's called the Lord of Lords, because we're all lords. We're lords. And on earth, he's given us an authority to lead people, to lead families, to lead uh, organizations, to lead businesses, to lead churches. But we always take the Bible and we're just like, what does it look like on earth? What does it look like on earth? What does it look like on earth? But if you were to fix your gaze into eternity and look at the spirit realm, then you'll know what it needs to look like. See, we take the word of God and we make it laws. You better do this. You better do that. You better, you better, you better, you better. But you know, in heaven, you know, the, the only law in heaven is love. It's, it's the law. It's like gravity. What goes up must come down. If you go in the ocean, you will probably drown if you don't know how to swim. There's a law. That's a physical law. But when you go to heaven, there's one law and the kingdom of heaven. And it's love. Everybody in heaven loves one another. You're not going to, when you get to heaven, you're not going to love God more than you love me. There's only one love. In earth, we have all these different loves. I love her because she's my wife. I love him because he's my boyfriend. I love this because it's my dog, it's my cat. But in heaven, oh, I love you because you go to my church. And then they don't go to your church and then you stop loving them. And you're no longer friends, right? So that's not real love. In heaven, there's real love. Real love, we're all so happy. We're a big family. Even in heaven, and we talk about, oh, we all get a mansion, right? And we think we're all separate. We, we kind of are, but in reality, what Jesus says was, in my Father's house, there are many rooms, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. Let me tell you something. We're roommates. <laughs> we're all roommates in heaven. You're going to room with a bunch of kings and queens. You don't believe me? Wait until you get there. I'm a, I always tell people, right? My church knows. I always tell people, when we get there, one thing I'm always going to say, I told you so. <laughs> I'm just so happy. I even have it in my journal. When I get to heaven, I'm going to tell people, I, I told you. I told you. I told you. I told you. God saved me. God healed me. God revealed to me a love that I never knew. I was the one that was rejected, the one that was pushed away, the one that was told many years ago, you were created to go to hell. You were created to burn. Because people were looking through the lens of earth. See, if you go through the streets and you look at people, or you go to church and you look at people through the lenses of physical, then yeah, you're going to look at race, you're going to look at finances, you're going to look at sexuality, you're going to look at everything else. But when you look through the eyes of God, you're going to see hope where there is no hope. You're going to see salvation where there is no salvation. You're going to see healing where naturally people only see disease. And then you start making an impact in people's lives. And sometimes it takes a little bit of time to get it. Then I, but God used to do that with me. I used to go to the Lord and be like, oh, I'm such a sinner. And then the Lord would say, 
I raised you to be a prophet to the nations. And it seemed like God was a little bit crazy. Like, why are you talking to me about something I'm not talking about? And then Jesus was looking at me and he's like, why are you talking to me about something I'm not talking about? You're talking to me about your issues and yet I'm talking to you about my glory. I'm talking to you about the destiny that I have in store for you. You might see this Abraham all dressed up, looking nice, because I look nice. Nobody needs to tell me I look nice. I look nice. And it's not being conceited, right? Some, somebody in the flesh is like, oh, he's so conceited. I'm never going back there. Well, I'm not conceited. I just know who I am. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was broken, but now I'm healed. I was a glutton, and now I walk in self-control. I was lustful, and I get to walk in purity. And God is not a glory to me. It's a glory to God because he is the author and the finisher of my faith. And the good work he began in me, he is faithful to complete it. See the difference? I'm not depending on my effort. I'm trusting in his work. I'm trusting in his word. And when you begin to learn that, you're like, really? I could do this? Yeah. I was the kid in the clubs. I was a kid drinking, smoking, partying, throwing my life away. I used to be suicidal. People look at me now like, oh, he's so joyful. 20 years ago, 25 years ago, I was suicidal. I was depressed. I was hopeless. And it was in that place that Jesus met me. And it was back then when I went to a church all broken. God doesn't even see me. And a prophet calls me out. He says, why you say I don't see you? I mean, I was in the Sun Dome. You know the Sun Dome Yingling Stadium? That place was packed. If you get picked there, that's like a lottery. Like, really, right? Like, if a prophet calls you out in a group of 2,000 people, that's like, what? And I just had that thought. I said, thank you, God, for letting me come to your house, but you don't see me. Look at all these good people here. So I thought everybody else was good, but I thought that I was worthless. And that day, 1998, 25 years ago, the Lord decided to call me out in front of all those people. And that man knew what I was thinking. Want to freak somebody out? like what and he called me and he goes why do you say I don't see you you don't know how glad I am that you you're in my house and you feel death inside of you you feel like you're gonna die but I tell you this much Satan can touch your body but he cannot touch your soul and as a matter of fact he cannot even touch your body because I called you as a prophet to the nations and I fainted the power of God came upon me knocked me out on the ground some people don't believe in that stuff when it touches you, it touches you. You could argue all you want, but when the power got boom, that's it. You're like, oh, I'm a believer now. <laughs> so many people are like, well, biblically, blah, blah, blah. Wait until he touches you. <laughs> Let's have a conversation after you get touched. <laughs> Some people don't believe in love until they fall in love. Some people don't believe in family until they find a family. I got so hurt by church that I didn't believe in church. And look at my beautiful family. And I love my church. Did church drive me crazy? Church drive me crazy. People drive me crazy. But here I am because God gave me a hope. And he took that broken kid 25 years ago and he said, you're going to be a prophet. You're going to go to different countries and you're going to be a pastor. I'm like, I think that's crazy. I'm hearing voices. But somehow he was speaking the truth and he's led me this way. And he told me I was going to draw. I didn't even know how to draw. Now I draw. And I didn't know colors, and now I know colors. And I didn't know how to sing, and I love to sing. And I didn't know how to do poetry, and I do poetry. See, because when love hits you, you begin, you begin to do things you never thought you could do. Because love empowers you. Love will lead you to who you really are. It will transform your life. And then people will be like, he makes up stories. I was like, think whatever. When we get to heaven, you'll see. I never thought that I could forgive the people that wounded me, that hurt me, and yet I've learned to do that. You think you couldn't take care of the parent that abused you, the molester that molested you, the people that beat you up, and then the love of God. You think it was a law. Nah. I don't preach so you could do something. No. I'm preaching so seeds are being sown into your heart. And one day those seeds will sprout, and you're going to be like, oh, I need to forgive them. And you'll hear God's voice. He's like, hey, how about you forgive them? Really? I could forgive? If you want to learn a treasure in this life, I know it's Easter Sunday and I'm supposed to be preaching about Jesus and the grave. I'm talking to you about resurrection power if you haven't realized that yet. I'm speaking life into your dead situations if you didn't know that. 
I'm speaking hope into some of your hopeless situations. If you didn't think I knew what I was doing. Oh, I know what I'm doing. I trust my father's voice. He said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow. And the voice of a stranger, they do not follow. My sheep, they're hidden in the palm of my hand. And no one will snatch them away. Nobody's snatching me away. And nobody's snatching you away either. Because he's faithful. Those that trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion that does not move but remains faithful forever. Try to move a mountain. You can't move it unless you speak to it. See, you can't move it with might, but you can speak to and it'll move. Amen? And that's not even the preaching. That's free. <laughs> Hallelujah. So this week, um, I'm like that. I'm very, I don't prepare sermons, guys. <laughs> I don't. It's whatever comes down, comes out. You know? But I know it works. <laughs> People think I'm an awesome prophet. I was like, I didn't say nothing. He did. I'm only repeating what he said. People are like, oh, my God, you're so good at prophecy. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm not prophesying. I'm just repeating. People think prophets make up words. Prophets don't make up words. Prophets hear word. Prophets get the secrets from heaven, and then they go around gossiping on earth. God says, you're awesome. <laughs> we believe in the joy. <laughs> if you didn't know, you might feel a little bit giggly already. I already feel hot. Bajame el aire ya, please. Okay, let's get a little bit professional Christians now. <laughs> Psych. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm going to get somebody excited. I don't know who, but. <laughs> We're not professional Christians here. Sorry. Professionalism did not save me. Jesus saved me. The love of God saved me. He met me. One day he took me to heaven, and that was it. He messed up religion for me. My church thought I was crazy. And I'm just like, I got up from the floor, and I'm like, we're doing it wrong. They're like, what? We just prayed for you. You got delivered. Now you're telling us we're wrong. I was like, I just went to heaven. They're like, you're knocked down on the floor for like 20 minutes. What are you talking about? You got went to heaven. I was like, time stopped for you. And I went to heaven, and I came back. <laughs> you think people believe they didn't get it? But then my, my spiritual eyes were open, and I saw the, the, um, I saw the kingdom identity. <laughs> you're like an ocean. <laughs> I just looked at you. I saw the ocean. Then I looked at the screen. I saw the ocean. I was like, I just got to tell her, you're like the ocean. You, there is so much glory upon your life that cannot be contained. You're only going to see waves of glory. The whole capacity, you'll see it when you get there and you look back. Then you'll be able to understand the greatness that's been placed in you. But the Lord says, I'm going to just let the surges of the waves arise from within you. Even the very things that have been hidden for such a long time, the Lord says, I'm bringing them back up. There's gifts and talents that I've placed in you, and it's time to let your sound arise. For the world needs to hear. The, and there's treasures in the deepness of this ocean, and I see the currents bringing them up. And the Lord says, and he's opening the treasure boxes, because you've been, you've been locked up for too long. And the Lord says, I'm releasing that song. I see a song. I see a word. And I see a message. And the Lord says, the world needs to hear your story in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Thank you. Amen. Jesus. And you're a banner. <laughs> you're a banner. You're a banner. I see victory on you. But I see the Lord waving you. And I hear the Lord saying, victory, victory. Even in these things that seem impossible, the Lord says, I place victory. It's victory. There's nothing else. There is nothing else but victory. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Okay, here we go. Let's be professionals. <laughs> so the message today, I titled it, His Only Son. And this week... There's a movie that came out. If you haven't seen it, I'm going to do a free promo. It's called His Only Son. Hence my message. Um, went to see it on Tuesday. What a powerful movie. Powerful movie. You should go see it. I really want to encourage every single one of you to go check out that movie. It's going to stir your heart. You know, it's a beautiful movie about Abraham. Not me. Even though... While he's my witness, 
when that movie began, <laughs> the screen was black, and those, those scripture pops on the screen that said, uh, before Abraham I am. And if you know me, you know my testimony about I am. I literally have I am tattooed in my arm because when God took me to heaven, he told me he was I am. And after that, I see I am everywhere. So I pops up on the screen, and I looked at Wally, I was like, God is talking to me. I know that's God. I was like, I know that's God talking to me. And then the screen is black. It goes, Abraham. I was like, Ugh. <laughs> We both jumped <laughs> so hard. It just happened out of nowhere. We we're like, oh, God. <laughs> this is it. I went home. <laughs> but that's how the movie started. I'm not going to tell you nothing else about the movie, but that part. Well, I might. I'm preaching on it. But you still go see it. So I'm going to read on Genesis 22nd, um, 22. I'm going to have it up here on the screen because I want you guys to follow along as I read. It's good to hear the word, read the word, study the word. It's all for your good. Um, in Genesis 22, um, it says, Sometime later, God tasted, tested Abraham, and he said to him, Abraham. Here I am, replied the, uh, Abraham. Then God said, Take your son your only son whom you love Isaac and go to the region of Moriah sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you you can keep going early the next morning Abraham got up and loaded his donkey talking about donkey if you weren't here last week if you go to our podcast the preaching last week was the Lord needs a donkey Abraham needed a donkey too. So, but check it out. It's a powerful word. It'll blow your mind. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had uh, cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. The son, the son carried the wood, the fire, and the knife. I want you to think of that. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, father, Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. I think that's where it stops, yeah. So watching this movie, you know, we, we kind of like, read the Bible with no emotions or we'll just we run through it and we don't understand the, the seriousness the struggle that this man had when God said sacrifice your son how many parents are in the room will you sacrifice your child for a murderer will you get one of your kids killed for a thief a prostitute an addict it's a question that only your parent can really understand that pain. Maybe you love someone. Will you let that person that you love, maybe your wife, maybe you're a husband, will you sacrifice the life of your spouse to save a murderer right now? So it was a big deal. It wasn't just, a lot of people read it. Abraham heard from God. He went, he, sacri he went to sacrifice his son and his, he was found faithful. Like, we make it easy. Like, we're just like, oh, yeah. Like, yeah, just do it. But that's not the reality of it. First of all, Abraham waited so many years to have a child. A child that God promised. So you know that love is developed in waiting? This man waited his whole life for this child. The child of the promise. You know when you waited for something, you love it. You're holding on dear. And then on verse, it was on verse, uh, where was it? He said, on verse 2, then God said, 
take your son. And it was almost like really rubbing it in. He doesn't say just take your son. He's like, take your son, your only son, the one whom you love. He's like digging in there. He's going deep. The one thing you love. And I want you to sacrifice it. I want you to give it back to me. Abraham did not know what this was going to look like. Abraham spent all those days going. It was a journey. It was a trip. It wasn't a, a one-day trip. It wasn't like you're going to get in your car and zoom, zoom there. It was, they didn't have airplanes. They went on a journey. They're walking through the desert. And he's looking at his son. And the beautiful thing about this movie is it's showing the thoughts that a father will go through. He's not saying anything. He's not saying anything to his wife. He's not saying anything to his son. But there is a battle. There's a conflict. There is a pain that this father is about to sacrifice his own son, his only son, the one that he loves. It's not just his son, and it's not just his only son, but it's the one that he loves. And he's going through that turmoil. He's going through the tears, the shaking, in the middle of the night, waking up, sweating, looking at his son. But this is the, this is the person that God, this is what God told me he was going to give me. And now God, God's going to take it away. So he has this dilemma. He has this pain. He has this sadness going on. And when he's asked a question, where is the sacrifice? Where is the lamb? I see the fire. I see the wood. But where's the lamb? And this father looks at his son and he says, God will provide the lamb for the sacrifice. God will provide the lamb for the sacrifice. I wonder if Abraham knew he was prophesying. And I'm not talking about just prophesying on earth for his specific situation. Did he realize he was prophesying what was coming? Let me tell you something. God will never ask of you something that he himself will not do. God will never ask you to lay something down that he himself would not be willing to lay down. God is such a good God. The Bible says that he who comes to God must know that God is good. There's a lot of preachers out there. There's a lot of teachers. There's a lot of churches. But not so many people. They say, oh, God is good. God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. They don't, they're regurgitating something that they do not understand. God is good. Genesis chapter 1 reveals that God is good. Everything God created, he's called it good. And only someone that is good can make something good. You can't be bad and make something good. But God is good and everything he created was good. And then on, on the sixth day, God made you and God made me. And he didn't call it good. He called it very good. You need to look in the mirror and you need to go, very good. I am very good. I am nothing else but very good because this is what God called me in the very beginning. Very good. It's the only thing God made that wasn't good. Humans. And yet we're in a world right now that the ones that are messing everything up are humans. But not because we're bad but because we don't know our identity. We believe the lie that we're not good enough, that we're worthless, and all of a sudden hurt people, hurt people. So all of a sudden there's a lot of hurting going around, but it's because nobody's healed. But when you get healed, all of a sudden you start releasing healing because we were created to release. Whether you like it or not, you're like, I'm just going to be by myself. I'm going to be quiet. I'm just going to go to work and mind my business. You don't realize that you are releasing. Everywhere you go, you release. You could be quiet, you're releasing. You could be quiet, but you're being watched. Nobody's hidden. You think you're hidden because it's a lie. But the Lord sees you. The Lord is watching you. The Lord's gaze is fixed on you. But you are good. 
And God is good. And God is kind. And God is faithful. And watching this movie, I saw this father, and I now I understand what God called Abraham. Abraham. Abraham means father of many nations. But God was also teaching Abraham something. As Abraham was going through this journey, God was revealing his heart to Abraham. We never think about God's heart. It's hardly ever humans think about God's heart. But what was it like for God when he took his only son? When he took his son, his only son, the son who he loved. Because again, God will never ask you to do something that he himself is not willing to do. It was a test for Abraham that Abraham didn't have to lay the life of his son. But what about God? God went through with it. God didn't go through with, with, with Abraham. He stopped them. Because Abraham was faithful. Abraham followed. I don't think God was ever going to allow Isaac to be sacrificed. I believe that God was teaching Abraham the father's heart. His heart was broken for his son. And God's heart was broken for every single one of us. God wanted his kids back. We come from God. We don't just come from your mother's belly. Your physical body comes from your mother's belly. But where does your spirit come from? Where was your spirit before the belly? A spirit always exists. A spirit always is. Then where were you? You were with the Father. You were, I promise you, you were with the Father. That's why Jesus came looking for that which is lost. How can we be lost if we were never with him? Then he would have just been buying something new or getting something new. He would have used a different explanation. But he says a good shepherd will leave the 99 for the one. And if you're the one, then where were you? If he had a hundred and one gets lost, when you got lost, you forgot who you were. In earth, you forgot your real identity. But he's so faithful that he comes from eternal realm, takes human form, and comes looking for you. Because the reality is, he did it in the Bible times. But you know why I'm speaking about it right now? Because he also found me. And know you why you're sitting here? Because now... It's reaching you. It's reaching every single one of you. Because he's been looking for every single one of us throughout time. Not just in your sin, not just in your struggle, but he's been walking through time. Day by day, he's finding his kids in different corners of the earth. In different years, in different ages. He's saving people throughout time. It's not even just a specific moment. It's a specific moment for you, but he saves you. And then through you, he starts capt capturing other hearts. He starts looking for other hearts. But the fact of the matter is that for you to be lost, you have to be with him first. Because then you wouldn't be considered lost. You can't lose something that's not yours. You could only lose. I cannot lose Katie's keys. I could lose my keys because they're mine. Right? You all have stuff. And then you, you're like, where is my wallet? I can't find my wallet. It happens to all of us. I don't know why. And then it's like right in front of you, right? You go around the whole room, and it was there the whole time. And that's us. We've been going around in circles, and God's like, oh, I got you. You're right here. You're not that far. But it's my keys. So if I lose my keys, I got to go looking for my keys. Because they were mine and I've lost them they've been misplaced and many of us were misplaced and the Lord is restoring us he's not storing us he's restoring us that means we were somewhere before we were here before and now we weren't there and he's gone looking for us in the middle of us being lost 
we've gone into sin, we've gone into transgression, we've gone into all sorts of bad things. But the Lord's found us. And he's like, now I'm restoring you. I'm putting you back in your original place. He's renewing you. He's not newing you. He's renewing you, which means he's making you new again. And he's bringing you back to your place of royalty. You were human trafficked. You were deceived. You were lying. So was I. The, the darkness lies to us. This world lies to us. Tells us that we're not good enough. Tells us that we're worthless. Tells us that we're abused, neglected, rejected. I don't know what label people have placed on you. I don't know what label people placed in you. I know the labels people placed on me. The world. And it's not even people. My battle is not against flesh nor blood, but it's against principality and forces in the air. But we all have labels. And God is coming back. And he says, you're the apple of my eyes. I've kissed you with forgiveness. I've crowned you with love and mercy. And the Bible says that Anyone that comes to God, God will never push away. Never. He simply wants us to believe him. We simply believe who he says he is. And we come home. And these things one day will pass away. And we enter eternity. And we go home. So he's renewing us. He's bringing us back to our original standing. He's restoring us. He's putting us back in our original place, in the throne room. Angie be hanging out over there, right? Right? I know, you could say, you could tell them. Me and her, we go to the throne room. We hang out there. And every time you praise God, you got access to the throne room. You, every time you praise God, if you don't focus on it, you're still concerned about everything else. But when you get lost, anybody ever experienced the power of God in this room? Anybody ever experienced the presence of God when you're lost in that moment and all of a sudden it feels like you left this world and you're somewhere else and, and you wish that moment will remain forever? We all have. It's in us. And if you haven't, get ready. It's coming. And it's that moment. It could be in your car. It could be in the shower. It could be in the toilet. I've spoken in tongues in the toilet. Hey, come on. Let's be real. God is with us everywhere we are at. When you're sweeping and nobody's around, that's usually the best places. When you're in the shower, nobody's listening to you. And you get to release your opera voice, right? I think it's just the acoustics in the showers. They work really well. <laughs> you don't sing in the shower? <laughs> I think everybody sings in the shower. Or in your car by yourself. And you're jamming. You know that Jesus is sitting right there? You think he's not. And he's like in the car with you like, yeah, you got it. I'm telling you, he does. I've seen him. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> But I love to sing to the Lord because we all feel safe with him. He's the one being that makes us feel so safe. You could just tell him whatever. Like, I talk to God about everything. I mean everything because nothing's hidden before the Lord. And if you don't talk to God about everything, I suggest you start talking to him about everything. You could talk to God about your issues and your struggles. Talk about those people that annoy you. Be like, Lord, I, this person, I just want to punch this person in the face. They make me so angry. And I'm telling you, the Lord will talk back to you. And the Lord will give you godly wisdom. Because God only gives godly wisdom, by the way. <laughs> He's God. <laughs> he only gives godly wisdom. And then you're like, I remember years ago, I was, I was hurt by a ministry in New Jersey. And I walked out of that place in 2006. And I'm never walking in this place again. And I walked out. And I had to learn about my identity for a season. But 10 years later... God gave me a dream. And that very person that hurt me, that pastor that crushed me, humiliated me in front of a whole church. I saw, I had a dream of him and me in heaven. And we were sitting on a mountain and, and our, come over here, Angie. And we were like, our arms were like this on each other, right? And we were singing to God and we were swaying back and forth. Thank you. She's such a good actress. <laughs> And we were just singing to God together. And then we fall from that mountain. And we start falling and falling and falling. And the mountain got wider. And we were being broken and broken and broken. And then when we fell on the ground, we were broken into pieces. He was all the way over there. I was all the way over there, broken in pieces. And I jumped out of bed. And I am telling you, the voice of God came in my room. Like, like a movie. I kid you not. Like, you know, when movies show, like, the light come in and the person's like, 
I kid you not. It was like that. For me, it was like that. And he spoke to me. He says, when you were here, you used to be the best of friends. But when you fell down there, you became the worst of enemies. And then he goes, I revealed this truth to you. Will you go? He asked me, will you go back to the church? Ten years before, I got humiliated and embarrassed. And I'm in my pride of, like, no. Back in the day, right? But this day, this revelation comes. And I got up in my bed, and I was like, I will go. Right? And I didn't know how I was going to do it. And, and he says, if you're not going to go yet, I'm going to give you the date and the time that you're going to go. Then I waited a year and a half. And then a year and a half later, the Lord said, today, this coming Sunday, you're going. And I was like, I made a video. I saved it on my phone. I was like, I might get killed. I don't know what's going to happen. They might not understand why I'm there. But I'm going to go. And the Lord says, you're going to tell him that you love him. And you're going to tell him that to forgive you. And you're going to tell him he did a good job. Thank you. I'm like, okay, Lord. And I'm in my house walking back and forth. Have you ever had a meeting with God? Anybody in this room? Raise your hand if you ever had a meeting with God. And you're talking to the Lord. You're like, come on, Lord. And he said, well, this is what you're going to do. You don't see it in the natural, but literally he's walking with you. He's like, we're going to work out these details. This is what you're going to do. You're going to walk in. When I tell you, you're going to run to the altar, and you're going to just grab that man, and you're going to give him a hug. And then you're going to tell him. And I'm like, oh, my God, Lord, but this is crazy. And you think they're just ideas coming into your mind. But in reality, it's God having a beautiful conversation with you. And then I got to go to that church that day. I was really nervous. I was like, what if they jump me? Like, they're going to think I'm going to kill somebody. <laughs> like, because they know they hurt me. But you know that God loves your enemies? God loves your enemies. God loves the people that broke your heart. God loves the people that shredded you to pieces. God loves that father that abandoned you. God loves that mother that neglected you. God loves that ex that took advantage of you. God loves that person that abused you, molested you, that friend that betrayed you and stabbed you in the back. I'm here to tell you, God loves them. And God is trying to use you to heal them, to give them a hope and give them a salvation. I promise. If Jesus Christ was hanging on that cross of Calvary, being slain, and all he could say was, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. Guess what? Your enemies don't know what they're doing. Your father that abandoned you, he doesn't know what he's doing. Those kids that left you, they don't know what they're doing. That person that retaliated against you, they do not know what they're doing. And that pastor that hurt me, he did not know what he was doing. And I went to the church, and I know that man was happy because when he was preaching, he looked, he goes, Abraham, it's so good to see you. You're a gift of God. That's what he said. He didn't even know why I was there. I was like, oh, this is a sign. He's ready, for, he's ready for restoration, and God brought me ready for restoration. So you don't need to rush the process of God. Let God deal in your heart. Well, I don't know how to forgive this person. It's okay. You cannot forgive somebody if you don't know how to do it. Pray to God about it. Talk to God about that person. The day will come, and God's going to be like, uh, so this is how we're going to do it. And you're going to be like, ah. He's like, call them and tell them or visit them or show up at their job or knock on their door, send them a gift, buy them an offering. I don't know what he's going to tell you. He's told me to do different things for people. But the healing is coming because he's healed you to heal others. He's called you to, he's blessed you so you could be a blessing. He said, he told Abraham in the Bible, blessing, I will bless you. Multiplying, I will multiply you. And as you begin to heal others, you're going to experience more healing. Because what you give, you receive. It's beautiful what God does. And I went into that church and I had that conversation with that pastor and got reconciled after 10 years. And I saw the forgiveness of the Lord. And the confusing part for him was when I said, thank you. Uh, thank you. You did a good job. What? I was like, look, I saw the glory of God. I know it sounds crazy, but I saw the glory of God. And the Lord showed me something. That every trial, every persecution, every um, rejection was like a hammer, hammering a nail. But the nail was going in. The nail was accomplishing its purpose. And a nail, for a nail to fulfill its purpose, a nail cannot be a nail and just sit in a toolbox. The nail was created for a purpose, and you're like a nail. And the nail, in order for a nail to fulfill its purpose, it needs to be pounded. It needs to be pushed away. It needs to be striped. But then it goes in, and then it can hold. 
the face. It could hold the picture, okay? You think you're just a nail, but you're beyond that. You are the nail that holds the picture. You are the human being holding the glory of God. You are a carrier of the presence of God. No longer you live, but Christ lives in you. And all of a sudden now, the very people that hurt you, you can demonstrate a grace to them that you can, they won't, they'll be confused. They're like, what? I was like, yeah, you made me cry. Yeah, your words hurt me. They broke me down, but you know that I needed a breaking? They're like, what? When I was hurting, I didn't understand it. I said, because the Bible says, cry out to me, and I will answer and show you great and mighty things you do not know. I was like, I needed a hammer in my life. And you were the hammer. It's not justifying your actions, but your pain got turned it around. The Bible says that anything and everything the enemy created to destroy you, God is turning it around to bless you. Yeah, the rejection was meant to hurt me. The lies were meant to hurt me. The rejection, the, the, the accusations were meant to hurt me. But God turned it around when I cried. I needed somebody to give me a reason to cry. I needed some tears to flow from these eyes. And I didn't have anybody else to turn to because the churches left me. Everybody left me. Everybody used me. Everybody abandoned, abandoned me. And then I was left alone. And I fell on my knees. And I said, God, I need you. I have no one else, God. I don't know where to go, God. And then the Lord answered. And then the Lord heard my cry. And then the Lord showed me great and mighty things I did not know, like my tears were working out for my good. Like those people that hurt me, my enemies, they were doing a pretty good job so I can see the glory. See, you wouldn't have the story of Daniel if there weren't some persecutors persecuting his prayer life. You wouldn't have the story of Daniel if nobody plotted against Daniel to throw him in the den of fire. I mean, in the den of the lions. And now we find examples and we find motivation when we read the story of Daniel. Because if God delivered Daniel from the lions, then God's going to deliver me from the lions. There were some persecutors needed. People that didn't understand the power of God in the life of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they needed to be thrown in the fire. So now in the future, we could have a story that there is a fourth man in the fire. That even in the fire, we will not get burned. Because even in the fire, Almighty God is with us. Jesus needed some people to nail him on that cross. Jesus needed a Judas to betray him. It was written that way. Not on earth. It was written in eternity that way. The Bible says he's an author. And what does an author do? An author writes stories, guys. And God is in eternity writing stories. And then these stories become alive in this realm. That's what we are. We're literally characters in the story of God. We really are. God had a dream about you. And he made you. And he wrote on his book all the details about you. You know, like a character, all these movies we watch, we're made in his image. Why do you think we create movies and we create books and we create songs? Because we're made in the image of our Father. God is a composer. Wait until you get to heaven. There's a symphony of all sorts of instruments. And all of creation is not just humans. There's angels and animals and stars, the ocean. Everything comes together. It's a symphony. If you don't believe me, go read your Bible. Go read Psalm 147, 148, 149, and 150. The symphony of the Lord. Don't read it with the mind of a theologian doctor. Read it with the mind of a child. And you'll see he's describing. If you don't believe me, go to the book of Job, chapter 38, chapter 39. And you'll see that even the stars magnify the king. That's who he is. It's what he does, and he's composing the detail of your life. You are the song of God. You are his poetry. You are his masterpiece. And in this world, you've been lied to, and you feel like you have no worth. But that's why the Father gave his only son. He who knew no sin, this was the son of God. Even Isaac took on the, in the movie, Isaac took the, the wood on his back, and he's going through the path. And I was like, oh, my God. 
Isaac represents Jesus and Abraham represents the father. And Jesus was walking from eternity. The Bible says that before the foundations of the earth, before the foundations of the earth, Jesus was already walking in, from eternity into time because he knew what he had to do. From eternity, he always knew. From eternity, the Father and the Son had a conversation. And God was like, whom shall I send? Whom shall go to get my children that are lost? My prodigals. Because every single one of us is a prodigal. Not People say, I'm a prodigal because I was raised in church and now I don't go to church. No, that's just our earthly meaning. Let's look at it from eternal meaning. We all were in the Father's house. We all left the Father's house. But there was a good brother. You see, in the story of the prodigal son, there wasn't a good brother. So the father had to wait for the son, the prodigal son, to come back home. But you see, in eternity, Jesus looked at the father. And Jesus is like, oh, man, I missed them. The father's like, I missed them. He's like, God, I'm going to go get them. But, but if you go into that realm, you must die. You must die if you enter that dimension. In order to get back, he's like, I'll go. I'll lay down my life for all my brothers and sisters. My message will be scattered throughout the earth, through every nation, through every generation, and through every age. My message will be spread for my children to wake up. Those that are sleeping will wake up. And he comes into time, and he gets crushed. He gets pierced. He gets stricken on his back for our healing, crushed for our iniquities, pierced for our transgressions. The punishment of our peace went upon him. Our punishment went upon him so you wouldn't get punished. So why do you think he's ready to punish you? He's not ready to punish you. He's ready to save you. He says, I've come into the world not to condemn the world. I've come to save you. That in me, all of you will be saved. Come home. In my father's house, there's many rooms. And I've come to prepare a place for you. So where I am at, you can be also. And then some of us are like, oh, wait. I think I remember that voice. It happened to me. When I met Jesus, I spoke to Jesus like I knew him. And when I met Jesus for the first time, we didn't speak like... Oh, my God, you're Jesus. It was like, Jesus, it's you, finally. Like, I remember. And you start to remember who you are. And you start to remember you are powerful. And you start to remember that you are made in the image of God, not in the image of a slave. For no one in this room is a slave. You're only being lied to that you're a slave. You are a king. You are a queen. And it's time to take your role back. It's time to stop walking in darkness and just simply enter marvelous light. Because we come from marvelous light. That's why every, uh, your whole life people be like, but you're different. Even when you wanted to be in the world, you were different. I remember being in the world and still like, people are like, can you pray for me? I was like, I'm going to church. I don't know, but I feel like you could help me. I'm, I was running away from my calling. I thought I was running away from religion because I was hurt. But the reality is there was an identity inside of me I didn't know anything about. Now, fast forward. So you'll see the story of Abraham is literally just the story of Abraham is a metaphor of the story of God. And on John 3.14, and I'm almost done. And you can pop it up there. It says, and just as Moses in the desert lifted up the brass replica of a venomous snake. So I don't know if you know the story of Moses. There was a battle going on. I'm going to go super fast with this. There was a battle. No, every, I think everybody was like sick. And then he, he has a serpent on, a, on a, like a brass cross or pole. And, and they raise it up and the people become healed, right? And then that, that's the story God is using here. Another metaphor to, to show you who Jesus is. They take a serpent on a stick. He who knew no sin. For us, a serpent is a, a representation of sin, right? Because when you go to the book of Genesis, who deceived mankind? A snake, right? But now God's using the snake and putting it on a pole, putting it on a cross so there could be healing. 
There's power in the cross. There's power in his blood. There's healing in Jesus. There really is. And not just physical healing. Everybody's so focused on physical healing. Let me tell you, God wants to heal your mind. God wants to heal your, your brokenness. God wants to heal the pain in your heart. Not just the pain in your legs. Not just the ache in your back, but the ache in your spirit. He's the healer and lover of your soul. So just as Moses in the desert lifted up the brass replica of a venomous snake on a pole for all the people to see and be healed, so the Son of Man, Jesus, is ready to be lifted up so that those who truly believe in him will not perish but be given eternal life. For here is the way God loved the world. This is how God loved the world. He gave his only. And it's written just like that. So you could see what he asked of Abraham. Take your son. Your only son. The one you love. And sacrifice him. Dad, I see the fire. I see the wood. But where's the sacrifice? And then all the way, 2,000 years later, Jesus is speaking over here. I will provide the sacrifice. I will provide my son, my only son, the one that I love. So all of you can believe and you can make it back home. He gave his only unique son as a gift. Do you give gifts out of anger? Do you give gifts out of bitterness? Or do you give gifts because, hey, I love you. And I, I saw this and this reminds me of you. So I want to give you a gift. How do you give a gift? It's out of love, right? So God gave his son out of love. Because he loves every single one of us. So now everyone who believes in him will never perish. But experience everlasting life. Why? Because the devil knows hell was created hell is not created for humans hell was created for satan and his angels you ever seen like a like a a movie where there's a bad guy and a good guy a superman movie or or aladdin or uh uh lion king where does the enemy always end up if you go back and watch these movies where did the enemy always end up in the fire jafar in the fire scar in the fire every movie Ursula, the fire. Everybody just ends up in the fire. They, everything's already telling you the truth, and you don't even know it. You're like, no, that's just a movie I watched. No. If you really pay attention to all the movies, you're going to be like, oh, wait. The bad guy always dies. But the good the good guys, what they say? They lived happily ever after. What's happily ever after? Eternity. Forever and ever and ever. We win. But what the devil is doing, he knows he's going to hell. He knows he's condemned. He knows there's no forgiveness for him and his demons and his fallen angels. But humanity, we are humanity. We get to experience forgiveness. But what he's doing, he's lying to people. So people don't believe God and follow him to hell. So if you, if you perish, it's not that God kicked you out. It's that you followed the wrong voice. And God says, my sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. And they follow me. They know me. They do not follow the voice of a stranger. So those that end up following the voice of the enemy, were they his sheep? We will only know at the end. But I know that Jesus doesn't lie. You must follow his voice. But if you follow the voice of a stranger, where is the stranger going to lead you to? Imagine a little child walking home from school. What do, what do parents tell their kids? Don't talk to strangers. What has God been saying? My sheep hear my voice and they follow. They do not follow the voice of the... What do strangers want to do to little kids? Let's be real. Why do parents protect their kids from strangers? Why do teachers protect kids from their strangers? What do strangers want to do? Hurt them, right? The evil ones are going to hurt them. Kidnapping, child trafficking, it happens. So you don't listen to the voice of a stranger. 
So why are you listening to the voice of a stranger? Why did you forget the lesson that daddy gave you? Do not listen to the voice of the stranger. When mom and, tell, mom and dad told you, don't go that way. I was a teenager too. And I repent. Because we teenagers, we think we know it all. We know nothing. I like how I said we. I'm still a teenager. <laughs> but, no, I'm not. I'm grown. Well, I died my beer. I was about to say, look at my grades, but I died it. <laughs> a little bit. Anyways, you don't listen to the voice of a stranger. Your parents are trying to protect you. And God is your father. So what is God trying to do? Protect you. Don't follow the voice of a stranger because he's on his way to hell. He's on, a, in, on his way to destruction. But if you follow the voice of a stranger, whoop, where are you falling to? You didn't follow the voice of your father. So it will be your own consequence for disobedience. Adam and Eve already disobeyed. Let's not disobey a second time. Like, no, lesson learned, back home. Because he wants you bound with him. He wants you lost with him. But God wants you found with him. So you're either going to be lost or you're going to be found. You're either going to walk in darkness or you're going to walk in light. You're either going to walk in disease or you're going to walk in healing. Choose the Father. Peter said it. Choose today. Choose today who you're going to serve. Choose today who you're going to follow. It's not shaming you or condemning you. Hey, we honor your decisions. Free will. But man, there is a hope and a salvation. There is a joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. Words cannot even describe how marvelous and amazing God really is. And the treasures he's in store for you. I mean burning fire, flame, lost darkness, or streets of gold, sea of glass, pearly gates. It's a whole city made of preciousness, of music and symphony and joy and laughter. Well, he's going to wipe away your tears. Well, you'll know you will never cry again. You're going to laugh. There is laughter in heaven. Sorry for the religious ones that you think heaven is really quiet. No, it's not. It sounds like an amusement park. I'm telling you. It sounds like laughter. You get to the front of the city, you hear the laughter coming out. You're like, what is that laughter going in there? And when the gates open up, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of our God. You should see the streams. People gather there. You know, like river walk? There's a river walk in heaven, I promise you. It's a river swim. <laughs> I'm telling you, and it's a wonderful river. You get, you, as soon as you get in that river, you begin to laugh. You begin to laugh. It's full of diamonds and precious stones, right? I know I'm messing people's thoughts. Like, what he on? I'm on Jesus. That's what I'm on. <laughs> Wally had a dream the other day. He was giving me a piggyback ride. I'm on Jesus. Hello. <laughs> You'll see. You'll see. When you, when you experience full healing, you're going to be like, what? No way. No way. I'm not crazy. I've experienced the love of God. He's picked me up in the palm of his hand. I'm like, how do I tell them that you hold us in the palm of your hand? He's like, they won't get it. <laughs> I've been trying to tell them this whole time. It's written. <laughs> it's literally written. I got you in the palm of my hand, and we still don't get it. We'll sing it. We'll teach it to the kids. He's got the whole world in his hands. And then we grow up, and we think we know it all. You must be like a child to enter the kingdom of heaven. And what he's doing, he's healing everything to restore you. And he wants to give you that pure child heart once more. We grow up and we forget what it was like to be a child. I wish I would have known this truth way younger, but he revealed it to me now. But the Lord gave his son as a gift. So God did not send God. Say it with me. God did not send. Say it one more time. God did not send his son into the world to judge and condemn the world, but to be its savior and rescue it. I mean, does Superman, like, kill Louis Lane? Does Superman bash Louis Lane, or does he always save his bride? He always saves his bride. Heroes always do salvation. Heroes don't kill. Heroes save. Even in the cartoons, I mean, I watch them. I'm like, wow, the message is right there. And we don't get it. It's hidden in plain sight. It's hidden in basic truth. It's right there. God did not send his son into the world to judge and condemn the world, but to be its savior and rescue it. So now there is no longer any condemnation for those who believe in him. We, if you are in darkness, you are already in condemnation. Everything you do, you go home and you're like, oh my God, I did this, I did that. I, I'm horrible. I'm not, I'm not good enough. You already live in condemnation. 
So when God comes to save you, he's bringing you out of condemnation into salvation. It's what he's saying. You no longer are living in darkness. You're no longer living in shame. You're no longer living in condemnation. You step out of condemnation into marvelous light, into salvation, and into hope. But the unbeliever, see, the unbeliever, that, the people that are, are still here, the ones that don't want to believe or can't believe or whatever it is, the unbeliever already lives under condemnation. So God didn't come to condemn the world. He came to bring the world out of condemnation. It's like a, a criminal that's been sentenced. But um, What was his name? Barabbas? Barabbas. Barabbas was ready to be condemned. This even proves it when they bring Jesus before the people. They have Jesus. And then they have Barabbas. He's guilty. He's a thief. He's a robber. He's a criminal. And he was the first thief Jesus set free. Jesus took his place. I wonder what happened to him. He must have become a preacher. I, I, he must have. He must have. There's no way God set him free and he died lost. God, that was, God set him free. He came to set the captives free. He came to take your place. He who knew no sin became sin. So this guy could know the righteousness of God, become the righteousness of God. That moment Barabbas was set free because Jesus took his place. On the cross of Calvary, the first person to enter heaven was not a disciple. It wasn't a prophet. It wasn't a holy one. It was the thief at the cross. The last became the first. Because this is what Jesus does. He exchanges everything. He flips everything upside down. He's turning it around. And he's turning it around for you. So he didn't come to condemn you. He came to lead you out of the condemnation. He came to lead you out of the darkness into light. Marvelous light. But those, the unbeliever already lives under condemnation because they do not believe in the name of the only son of God. And here's the basis of their judgment. The light of God has now come into the world. But the people love darkness more than the light. They saw the light and they still preferred the darkness. So people that perish is because they didn't turn to the light. They didn't, they didn't get out of that dark. Ugh, I mean, I was in that darkness. I was miserable, suicidal, depressed. Nobody's ever really fully happened. You could be rich. You could have all the money in the world. You could have all the dates in the world but if you don't have Jesus there's a void in your heart because you don't experience that peace that is out of this world and you're going to do everything in your own efforts and realize that it doesn't lead anywhere what does it matter that a man will obtain all the riches of the world and at the end lose his soul he might as well be poor and broken and go that away because he's going to bless you and heal you so the light of God has not come into the world but the people love the darkness more than the light because they want the darkness to conceal their evil you're not going to serve God and conceal your evil because it's light and light is going to expose everything not to shame you God had to expose that I had hate in my heart I went to church and I had hate in my heart and when Jesus came into my room in 2012, he said, this is your sin, hate. I was like, oh. And I was exposed. But he did not do it to shame me. He did it to set me free. And then he took me on a journey of love. And that's when I went to New Jersey, and I loved on my molester. I loved on the people that bullied me. I loved on the people that kicked me out. And I've been transformed. And they also have been transformed. Because the light began to spread. When you forgive somebody, you're taking off that light and you're bling, you're making them light. And then they're going to go. They're gonna, they can't even escape it. It, it does something in you that you're, God's going to be like, now you go. And then she passed the light to her enemy. And then that enemy will pass the light to the other enemy. And all of a sudden, we have a ripple effect of glory on the face of the earth. So the wicked hate the light and try to hide from it. For the light fully exposes their lives. The light exposes all of our lives. All of us. The ones that love the light and the ones that hate the light. We all get exposed. But those who love the truth 
will come into the light. For the light will reveal that it was God who produced their fruitful works. It was God. Everything you do, your song, your melody, the healing, the miracles, the testimonies, the ministries, the way you help people, the way that you empower people, the way that you speak faith into people's life. The light is going to be like, it was me. I got in your heart. Jesus is the light. He got into your heart. And no longer you live, but Christ lives in you. Amen? Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Resting Place, South Tampa Campus. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.